Jesus House in pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential, impacting lives. This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London. God bless you. Father and our God, tonight we come before you and we ask for grace. We pray that tonight's Bible study is unique and special. Why? Because you, O Lord, are present. We yield totally to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We ask Father Almighty God that he opens the word to us. We pray, O Lord, that each person's needs, whatsoever they may be, whatsoever they are, in what form or manner, it doesn't matter whether we are confronting the impossible, we ask, O Lord, that you intervene with the miraculous. Intervene through your word, intervene through your Holy Spirit, intervene, Father, by speaking to the hearts of your people. We ask, O Lord, that you do this, and we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father Almighty God, we join our faith with those who are believing God for a miracle. We also join our faith with those who have joined for the first time, whether they are logging on for the first time or they're listening to this by way of podcast or recording. We ask, O oh Lord, that your presence and your person, in your kindness and in your mercy, showers them, covers them, and causes your will and intention to be done. Let your word, O oh Lord, do exactly as you have planned. Let it comfort, let it encourage, and let it edify. We ask this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen and amen. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to continue. Um, we're going to we're going to continue tonight. And we're going to go from we're going to go into the book of Ephesians 1, where we've been for the last few weeks. And I'm going to read, I'll read through Ephesians 1 up to verse 14. I'll go to verse 14. Um, I'll read to verse 14. So Ephesians chapter 1, reading from verse 1, and I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible, and then we will pick things up from there. The Bible says the following, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in, G in Christ Jesus. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself verse 10 that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in him 
in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. Verse 13 and verse 14, in whom ye also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. We'll pause there, ladies and gentlemen. And so last week, um, we came to, we got to verse we are in verse seven. We haven't got through verse seven. We are in verse seven. And what happened last week and verse seven reads as follows. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. And if we read to verse eight, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Now, what we're going to do today, ladies and gentlemen, rather than just move on suddenly, even though we got to a very nice place last week, we were speaking about the blood of Jesus and the fact that the blood of Jesus gives us access into a, a new covenant. We're going to just pick up on that. We're going to pick up on verse seven, and we're going to just work through to verse eight, but we're not going to rush. And so what we're going to have a look at is the Bible says the following in whom we have redemption through his blood. Now, redemption, ladies and gentlemen, like we said last week, means to be brought back to come into where God restores all the things that are necessary for fruitfulness, all the things that are necessary for grace, all the things that are necessary for us to go forward. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's our redemption. But our redemption is huge. And so what we also want to look at, because we got to the point of the blood, we got to the point whereby the blood of Jesus, the spilt blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we said last week, it brings us into many things, gives us access, it speaks on our behalf, but most of all, it gives us access into what is our new covenant. Now, looking at that, ladies and gentlemen, when we realize the blood of Jesus, when we look at the blood of Jesus, one of the best ways to understand what the blood does and the resultant effects is to look at, as we looked briefly last week, at the communion. Now, the communion, which is what Jesus um, instituted, at the communion table, that is where the exchange takes place of what he has won and what we require. He says, this is where the exchange takes place. And so we're going to look at that tonight. And so we're going to look at that in, we're going to look at that in um, briefly, but we'll also use that to expand on what verse seven, what verse seven says. And so ladies and gentlemen, the question, the couple of questions we'll have a look at tonight and the first one is when the bible says in whom we have redemption through his blood there's a question we have to answer and it's this what have we been redeemed from redeemed means to be bought back redeemed means to be set free so when we say that something it means to be set free 
but it also means to be restored to fruitfulness. And so let's look at that. So what have we been redeemed from? In simple terms, ladies and gentlemen, what we've been redeemed from is sin and its resultant effects. There are a couple of areas we, we can look at to have a look at that. But what we realize is once sin kicked in, sin carries with it the a negative a, a negative set of processes once sin entered society people who we are began to break down and so let's have a look at that and so let's turn with me please let's just look at the first, one of the, the most graphic places where we see turn with me to genesis chapter 4 and i'm going to read from in genesis 4 i'm going to pick up the narrative from up I'll, I'll read it from one and i will stop at eight and so genesis chapter four read it from verse one and we'll stop at verse eight remember what do we ask what what question are we answering we are answering the question of what have we been redeemed from okay so genesis four the bible says and adam knew eve his wife and she conceived and bare cain and said i have gotten a man from the lord and she again bear his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Verse four, and Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Verse 7, if thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Verse 8, and Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. I'll stop reading there. So what this is one of the most graphic representations of the impact of sin in our daily lives. All of a sudden, we realize human beings become focused on the fact that for me to succeed, it has to be at somebody else's expense. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what we realize is these are the damaging elements of sin in the life of a human being all of a sudden we realize that sin begins to manifest itself in ways like this notice in this story we see elements of anger we see elements of jealousy we see elements of resentment we see anger towards god anger towards god's people it's the whole gambit we also see the degeneration of the human nature where the human nature becomes base and brutal. And this is what we have been redeemed from. Now, we're going to have a look at this in, in two other areas, but notice in this place, graphic story, Cain and Abel present something to the Lord. Abel is blessed because what he did pleases God. Cain is not blessed because what he did didn't please the Lord and for no other reason. And so Abel's blessing is visible. Cain gets upset. And then Cain thinks that, okay, 
for me to succeed, the absence of my brother is the answer. That's sin's thinking. It's selfish. It's self-centered. All of a sudden, the human nature is completely turned around. And I'm going to show you the opposite in a moment. And so this is what Jesus Christ has redeemed us from. The damaging effects of sin in us as people, if left to itself, it will eventually create the character and personality of Satan. We will eventually be broken down. We will, and that's what sin does. So let me show you that in, in a couple of other places. And I'll use two scriptures. So quickly turn in your Bible, please, with me to Ephesians chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading from 20, Ephesians 4, and I'm going to start reading from 20. And I'm going to read from the King James Version of the Bible, and I'm going to stop at verse 24. The Bible says, but you have not so learned Christ. If so, if so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, listen very carefully. This is what the Bible says. This is what the truth in Jesus separates us from. Verse 22, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So let me pause for a moment. That means, ladies and gentlemen, left to ourselves without Jesus Christ, a process of corruption would have kicked in. And the Bible says that corruption works through what we call lust, a desire for something outside other than the Lord God. And the Bible says that when you come to Jesus Christ and you understand the truth, you are separated. You have the capacity within yourself to say, I can choose not to go down that path. I can choose to go the way of Christ. And I'll show you how that happens in a moment. But that will break the hold of sin over our lives. And the Bible says it's the old man. It's the man that, or the, when we say old man, it's the personality and character that is created outside of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says this is what we've been redeemed from. So let me show you where that is. And then I'm going to come back to Ephesians 4. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to 1 John, and I'm going to go to chapter 2, and I'm going to pick up the narrative from verse 15, just to give us details, so we understand what we've been redeemed from. We're going to come to details in a moment. Now, 1 John 2, verse 15, the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world is as follows. The lust of the flesh, that's lust number one. The lust of the eyes, lust number two. And the pride of life is, and the Bible says, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So what has Jesus Christ separated us from? three lusts. Number one, the lust of the flesh. That means I want it because I feel like I want it. That means, and the flesh is, an, it's an, when we say flesh, it's not just the flesh that makes up your body. It's any kind of thinking that is shaped in the world outside of the Lord God. That means 
as we saw in the beginning, the law of the jungle. It is kill or be killed. If I'm if I'm going to succeed, I've got to wipe out someone. If I'm going to get promoted, I've got to break the ankles of anybody around me. If anybody else gets hired, I must make sure that they are not as um, skilled or able as I am because I have to succeed at their expense. That's what we call the lust of the flesh. It's worldly thinking. The second one is the lust of the eyes. That means if I see it, I want it at my expense irrespective of whether the other person wants it or not, which is where we get the the drive for murder, for rape, for robbery, all sorts of things. All the things that are listed in, in, the, in the commandments that, that they say don't do are listed there because it's like, I've seen it, I want it, and I'm going to take it, and I will take it at somebody else's expense. The Bible says that's, that is where sin is left to run. The last one is the pride of life, which says, I and my needs are more important than anybody else. Now, these, all these, all three of these, the Bible says they will corrupt a human being. And it is these three things that we have been redeemed from in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So all of a sudden, and if we come now, so now we're going to work backwards. So what now we know what they are come back with me to ephesians 4 so we're working backwards now ephesians 4 and we're going to pick up the narrative where we left it we started at verse 20 we got to verse 22 and i'm going to go to verse 23 and 24 and the bible says and be renewed in the spirit of your mind verse 24 and that you put on the new man which after god is created in righteousness and true holiness. Ladies and gentlemen, you'll notice in verse 20, the Bible says that when we have learned Jesus, it is the, the key element is the truth. John chapter 17, verse 17, which says, Lord, sanctify them through, by thy word, for thy word is truth. Sanctify them by thy truth. And he says, thy word is truth. So when God wants to prepare you and God wants to free you from whatever you are going through, however it came, he'll do it through his word. That's the truth. What will the word create within you? The Bible says that the word and God are one. First John 4 verse 8. So when the word of God, when you spend time reading, studying, meditating, confessing, and acting on the word of God, it will produce within you God himself. How will that show up? First John 4 verse 8. The Bible says the love of God will be formed within you. And the Bible says God is love. So all of a sudden you will realize as you spend time with the word of God, the word of God, the truth of the Lord, breaks the hold of the process of sin in your life. The decay is broken and you are moved towards growth into who Jesus is, who God has made you, who God has designed you to be. And so, ladies and gentlemen, when the Bible says we have been redeemed from or we have redemption 
in Christ. Let's understand what's happening. It starts on our inside and shows up on our outside. That's what redemption is. That means we are no longer subject or slaves. No longer will we do without any restraint three things, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh. We will now have a buffer. We will now be able to choose to walk in love the way God wants us to walk in love. And that separates us. And the Bible says all of a sudden when that happens, the new person shows up. So ladies and gentlemen, that is what we have been redeemed from. It's not only being redeemed from the clutches of Satan, but also it is being redeemed from the damaging impacts of sin in and of itself and sin left to run on our inside, whereby our thoughts, our intents, our words and our actions, if left uncontrolled, will go the way of the world and that produces the damaging outcome. So the Bible says in Christ Jesus, we have been redeemed. We have been freed from. So we can consistently make choices on a daily basis to go the way of the word of God. And all of a sudden the benefits come to us. And so now we've got that. Now we've got a clear picture of that. Let's come back. So again, we're going to work backwards. Come back with me to Ephesians chapter one, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to pick up our narrative. So verse seven, our focus is verse seven. We now know what we have been redeemed from. That's what we've been redeemed from. Then the Bible says that we have been redeemed through his blood. And so what we now want to look at is if that's what we've been redeemed from. When we come to the place of exchange, um, when we come to the place of exchange, where we realize where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Let's have a look at what that exchange looks like. Because that then gives us a picture of what the blood has bought for us. And I'm going slowly, deliberately. I'm, I'm going through it deliberately. So the first thing is, um, the Bible says, um, if you can turn in your Bible to Isaiah 53, let's see the exchange in action. Isaiah 53, and I'm going to pick up, and I'm actually going to read from verse 1, and I'm going to stop at verse 6. So this is, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, who hath believed thy report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The Bible says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Speaking about Jesus Christ. The Bible says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and he was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse four. Now this is key. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse five. But he was wounded for our transgressions. 
he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. So with his stripes we are healed. So ladies and gentlemen, and I'll read from, I'll, I'll complete that by reading verse six. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So ladies and gentlemen, here we come to the place where the exchange was made. The Bible says, Jesus Christ as our substitute. The Bible says he suffers in our place. Let me read that so that we're clear. He suffers in our place. That means if he has suffered in our place and he has paid the price that was meant for us, whatever he won on the other side of the cross is yours and ours. And that is what he has made available to us, as we will see in a moment. And so when you come to the place of what is when you come to the communion and I have to let me keep that key when we come to the place of communion where Jesus says do this in remembrance of me he says do it on two sections he says first focus on my broken body let me find it for you it, it keeps popping up into in my mind uh 22 Yes. Luke 22, and I'm going to read from verses 19 and 20. Luke 22, reading from verses 19 and 20. The Bible says, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it to them. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. He then says, this do in remembrance of me. Now, that means every time... And this is one of the interesting things about Bible study. When you look at the Bible, every time the Lord remembers, he activates something that he has promised to do. When you look through the Bible at the various places where the Bible says, and the Lord remembered, God will always activate something he has promised to do. So when Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, it means it activates something that Jesus has promised to do. And so Jesus says to the disciples, this is my body, which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. So every time you come to the communion table, every time you take communion, whether it is individually or collectively, the Bible says you are activating an act of remembrance. When something is remembered, whatever is tied to that particular act of remembrance kicks into play. I'll give you a couple of examples about remember, just to bring it home for you. And then we, and I'll come back to this, which is, which is fine. Notice the Bible says in Genesis chapter eight. Yes. Let me, let me go there. Genesis eight. And I'm going to read verse one really quickly the bible says in genesis 8 verse 1 and god remembered noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark 
and God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuage. Assuage means stop. That means, ladies and gentlemen, the, I'll read verse two for clarity. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. That means when God remembered Noah, he stopped the judgment that was wiping out the earth. He causes it to end and starts a process of restoration. So ladies and gentlemen, whenever God remembers something, whenever God remembers something, he causes to kick in something he has promised to do. So he remembers Noah and he says, you know what? Time's up. The price is paid. Let's, we can stop that. When God remembers something. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Genesis chapter 30. Let's go really quickly. Genesis 30. Um... Genesis 30, and we will read. Let me find. Yes. Genesis 30, verse 22. Genesis 30, verse 22. The Bible says the following. And God remembered Rachel. Now, remember, Rachel was barren. She was unable to have children. And the Bible says, and God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her and opened her womb. Verse 23, and she conceived and bare a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. Verse 24, and she called his name Joseph, and he's, you know, really famous, and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. Listen to me very carefully, please, ladies and gentlemen. Notice, whenever God remembers you, when God remembers something, he makes something he has promised happen. He makes something he has determined to happen. And so when Jesus Christ says, do this in remembrance of me, it's never empty. The reason we're talking about it is this, there's a redemption that is yours that you need to access on a regular basis. And this is one of the ways you access it. One of the ways is the word of God. The second way is when you come to the communion table. So we're talking about the broken body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, every time you take the bread, remember, do this in remembrance of me. That means whatever I won for you on the cross, whatever I did, cause me to remember. And the Bible says, whatever God promised on the end of that act kicks in. Now, I want you to please keep this in mind. That means when you come to the communion table, the redemption that was won on Calvary is available to you. It's a place of exchange. And so we're going to look at some of those places. And so let's, so that's the second area of remembrance we spoke about. Um, for somebody, I, I, someone needs to hear this. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this. There's one, let's go to another place where God remembers. Come with me to first Samuel. I'm very comfortable doing this. First Samuel chapter one, I'm going to pick up the, the story is, um, is the story of Hannah. And first Samuel chapter one, verse 19, and I'll read it. And the Bible says the following. And they rose up early in the morning, early, and worshiped before the Lord. That's, that is Hannah and Elkanah, her husband, and returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. Notice what happened. And the Lord remembered her. Verse 20. 
Wherefore, it came to pass when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. And so, ladies and gentlemen, in three areas, three places, we find that when God remembers something, he makes happen what he has promised. And so, ladies and gentlemen, whenever you come to the communion table, Jesus said, when you take the bread, which indicates his broken body, when you take the bread, listen to me very carefully, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says, do this in remembrance of me. That means activate what has been won on your behalf at the cross. And so let's look at some of those areas the broken body of our Lord and Savior, that's where the exchange happens. And then we'll come to the blood in a moment. So when we talk about the broken body of our Lord and Savior, there are a couple of areas that I want to just pick up on today. I'll only pick on Holy Spirit. How many? I, I, I have three in mind. If the Lord allows us to do a few more, we will. Let's, let's go through a couple. The first one we want to look at is... When Jesus was on the cross, this is one of the first things about the exchange is this. Turn in your Bible with me. This is We're going to pick on three areas, three or four areas. This is area number one, and the area number one is answered prayer. Now, let's look at two scriptures that tell this story. And so please turn in your Bibles to, let me get it right, yes, John chapter 11. Turn with me, please. So let me just make sure I'm on the right computer. Yes. John chapter 11. This is what Jesus said. Um, yes. John chapter 11. Verse 41. And I will stop at verse 44. John 11 verse 41. They took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. This is at Lazarus's grave. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I know that thou hearest me always. But because of the people that which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. Now, ladies and gentlemen, please come with me. Have I made a note of it? Yes, I have. Um, let me pull up another scripture for me. Yes, please turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 15. And I'm going to read from 34. And I'm going to stop. I'm going to read from 33 and stop at verse 34. So Jesus is now on the cross. He's carrying our sin. Listen to what happens. The Bible says, and when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama, lama sabachthani, which being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And ladies and gentlemen, for the first time in history, there was silence. 
when Jesus took our sin on him, Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 kicked in. He cries to God for the first time in history, and there is no answer. That was one of the prices he paid on the cross for you and I. This is what he gives us in exchange for that. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, reading from verse 12. John 14 verse 12 says the following. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. Verse 13, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Listen to me very carefully. When Jesus was on the cross carrying our sin, when he cries out in prayer for the first time in history, he is ignored. There's complete silence. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that was the price of sin. Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 says so, that your sins will separate you from God, and when you pray, he will not hear you. But because Jesus has paid that price, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, there is an exchange at the communion table. That means when you now come to God in Jesus's name, when you lift your voice in prayer, because of what he has suffered and because of the price he has paid, when you pray, he answers. God answers. So ladies and gentlemen, that means at the communion table, one thing that you have access to, and this is what I want you to remember, when you come to the communion table, do this in remembrance of me. I want you to remember, bring to rem remembrance the fact that because Jesus was ignored at the communion table, you will be heard. That means when you come to God in prayer, by virtue of what Jesus has done, you will be heard. That means we are, listen, we're walking in the grace and this is the redemption he's won for us. So that's one area. Let's look at another area. To come with me, ladies and gentlemen, please come with me to, I, let's go back to the book of Isaiah chapter 53 and we're going to read from verses 14 to six. We'll focus on four to six. Um, so the second thing we realize that we have because of what Jesus went through, Isaiah 53, reading, actually, when you read from verse three, the Bible says, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Verse two says, he was marred beyond recognition. This is the damage that Jesus went through so that the price for our sins could be paid for. Listen to verse four. The Bible says, surely he hath borne. That means he, all of this happened to him because he was carrying our griefs and carried our sorrows, past tense, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what I want to do right now is let me flip that. 
And let me read that. Uh, let me pull up the Amplified Bible. So just give me a moment, ladies and gentlemen. Let me pull up the Amplified Bible. And I'm going to read, um, I'm going to read the same verses in the Amplified Classic. So I'm going to read Isaiah 53, verses 4 to, I'll, I'll read verses 4 and 6. Now listen to verse 4, same verse. Isaiah 53, verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs. Then the Amplified Bible explains what griefs is. Sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. That is an incurable disease. So ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says when he carried our griefs and our sorrows, the Bible says he carried our sicknesses and diseases. He took them to the cross and he paid the price in his flesh for what sin was done, all the sins we did. And the Bible says it was sickness and disease. Listen to verse five. But he was wounded for our transgressions, our mistakes. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquity. The chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Listen carefully. The Bible says the next part of your redemption that you can claim every time you come to the communion table because it's already won for you is healing. The Bible says because of what Jesus went through, because of the his broken body, he wasn't just damaged. He was carrying on our behalf the outcome of a sinful life, which is illness, sickness, all sorts of the things, the things that come with being separated from God. Listen to me very carefully. He said, I've carried them. That means when you now come to God in my name, healing is yours. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen. Let me switch back to the King James Version of the Bible. Come with me to James chapter 5. James, uh, James 5, and I'm going to pull up verse, I'll read from verse 13. I'll read from verse 14, James 5, verse 14. The Bible says, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. That means in the victory and in the things that Jesus has won. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. That means healing will come. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. That means there will be nothing that will be standing in the way of your healing when we pray in the name of Jesus because of what he prayed for. And for anyone who's reaching out now for healing, I'm just, I'm, I'm ready. According to the word of God, I join my faith with yours. Let the benefits of that which was won at Calvary come to you and may healing be your story. Let's go to verse 16. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another and pray 
one for another, that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I want to do, that the Bible says that one of the benefits of the broken body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the benefits of our redemption, when you come to the communion table because of his broken body, the Bible says he will take sickness from you and he will give you healing that he has won. Notice it is a past tense. He is healing. He has won on your behalf the right to heal your body. He has stepped into that grace. We'll talk about that in a moment. And so, ladies and gentlemen, what I also want you to realize is, notice, what do you do when you come to the communion, using the communion table as an example? When you take the bread, what do you do? You cause God to remember. What do you cause him to remember? The fact that by virtue of the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you have full access to healing, all the healing power that sits in Jehovah Rapha, God, our Father. And that means there is nothing that you are facing that God cannot handle. So I join my faith with yours at this particular point in time. Before we move on, we're going to go to one more area. Before we move on, I join my faith with yours and I pray that in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in his victory, what he won at Calvary. If you are facing any illness, I join my faith with yours. And we say, may the exchange be made and may healing come to you. And we ask it in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May there be the necessary miraculous results according to the word of God to demonstrate to you that God has stepped into your place. May God in his kindness help you. So let's go to the third area and then we'll, we'll move on. The third area, ladies and gentlemen, and this is key. Please turn in your Bible. The third area, when you come to the communion table and when you come to what is our redemption, that the blood of Jesus makes available, and we're coming to that in a moment. The last thing we want to talk about, and there are many more, ladies and gentlemen, there are many, many more, but we're picking on three today. Turn with me, please, to Galatians chapter 3, and I'm going to pick up the narrative from verse 13. The Bible says the following. The Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14. So what else has Jesus won for us? What else has our redemption made available to us? The Bible says the following. Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 the Bible says Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us for it is written cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree now pause for a moment when the Bible uses the word curse the word curse means for God to turn away from that means the when that's what a curse is it's when god turns away from something and therefore whatever he turns away from whatever happens to that thing is not by his design that's what a curse is so a curse is where God turns away from something, leaving it to the vagaries of things that hate it or things that limit it. That's what a curse is. And so when, and that's what the Bible is saying, that 
the that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. That means, what did the law say? The law said, if you break one of these commandments, then the Lord will turn away from you. And therefore, the things that will happen to you will be in the negative. But by virtue of what Jesus Christ has done, where he became the curse itself, that means everything negative that the law could throw at you, everything negative that our disobedience to God could throw over. He took it to the cross. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse six, the Bible says, we all like sheep have gone astray and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That means wherever the law or God's commands were broken, the impact was laid on Jesus Christ. Somebody has paid the price. It was wasn't just laid on him and wiped out. Jesus paid the full price of any mistake that we have made. And the Bible says there's a result. Galatians 3 verse 14. And the Bible says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That means, ladies and gentlemen, if a curse is where God turns away from something, a blessing is where God turns towards something and forces the circumstances to line up to his will and to his intention. That's what a blessing is. When God blesses you, irrespective of the circumstances, Things will happen the way God says things happen. And that's what a blessing is. And so when you realize the Bible says it, that because of what Jesus Christ has done, when you come to the communion table, when you come to God in prayer, when you now come to God in his name, what happens? The Bible says that which would have caused God to turn away from you, like he turned away from Christ on the cross, the Bible says by virtue of that price, when you come to God, God will turn his face towards you. And the Bible says he'll bless you. That means he will force the circumstances around you to line up to his will, whether or not the circumstances want to line up. It's irrespective. You find this in Jeremiah chapter 17. Actually, th that scripture keeps coming to my mind. It's one of my favorites, but let's go to Jeremiah chapter 17 and we'll go to verses seven to eight to drive the point home. Jeremiah 17, and we'll pick up the narrative from verse seven. I will leave out verses five and six because I think we've made our point. Verse seven, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Listen carefully, for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Meaning all these things happen irrespective 
of the prevailing circumstances. A blessing is where God now focuses on you and he causes to happen to you what he wants to happen against the force of your circumstances. And so, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says that because of what Jesus Christ has done, you are now living in a blessing. That means God, irrespective of your circumstances, when you come to God in Christ, especially when you come to the communion table, what I want you to understand is that when you now come to God in Christ, the Bible says he will respond to you in blessing. He will accept you. He will extend his power and ability to you. He will force the circumstances to line up to his will. Last week, we spoke about what the blood of Jesus gives us, where the blood of Jesus speaks on our behalf. The blood of Jesus gives us access to the Father. The blood of Jesus establishes a unbreakable covenant between you and the Lord God. So, ladies and gentlemen, this brings us nicely. So now we know when the Bible says, and we'll go back to our base verse, the Bible says, Ephesians 1 verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. So we realize this is the redemption Jesus has bought for us. That means there is an exchange. Wherever there's a negative situation, Jesus Christ paid for it on the cross. That means we have access to the positive element of that situation. The Bible says the forgiveness of sins, that which separates us from God, has been taken away. Then the Bible says, according to the riches of his grace. That means God is no longer going to do it based upon your actions. He's going to do it based upon what has been granted to Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says, according to the riches of his grace. So let's have a look at that. This is where we're going to, this is what we'll wrap up today's um, Bible study here. I want you to understand. I want you to be confident enough to come to God in this season and know for a fact that when God, when you want God to do something for you, he's going to do it because of the victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come with me, please, ladies and gentlemen, to Philippians 4.19. Flip the book of F Philippians, chapter 4, verse 19. We'll look at one or two scriptures before we close today. And the Bible says, this is Paul praying for the Philippians, says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That means whatever Jesus has won is what God is going to draw from to meet your needs. That means it's not about God doing something because you and I have been great. He's going to do it because Jesus has won it on our behalf. We realize, so how, when we say riches, remember, this is, this is Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus says the riches of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How much has Jesus won on our behalf? Let's look at two elements of that, and that's how we'll close it tonight. 
turn with me, let's come back with me in the book of Philippians to chapter two, and we're going to read from verse five to look at one element of the riches of Christ, and then we'll go to another scripture. Philippians two, verse five. The Bible says the following, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse seven, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. That's where our redemption was bought. And the Bible says, wherefore, because of this, God also has highly exalted him and have given and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Pause for a moment. That means the when you say God has given him a name, that means rank. That means when Jesus steps in, everything else is below him. That means at his level, he's the final arbiter. When God says, let it be so in the name of Jesus, everything else standing in his way must bow. So ladies and gentlemen, when you come to God, what are we talking about? The, wh what I want you to realize when we talk about the riches of God's glory, it means that there is nothing in the universe that can stand against Jesus's intentions to bless you. When Jesus said, I've paid for it, let the opposite now happen nothing in the universe can stop you so nothing in the universe can stop god doing what he wants to do on your behalf the bible says he arrives at the highest rank that means nothing else can stand and say it should not happen to god happen to you because god's promised it so ladies and gentlemen as you step into this season i want you to step into this season with faith where's our faith in the name of jesus that in any situation you are facing, the Bible says Jesus's name will win out. What Jesus has won will win out. What God has done through Jesus Christ at the cross because of his sacrifice, it is going to win out. That means you can hold on to God with confidence, irrespective of what your circumstances say. And you can believe and trust that when God says, I will come through for you, no matter how long, no matter how long, and hear me well, no matter how long the time has been, God's going to win out. Now, I've got a very interesting question that when is the next communion service at Jesus' house? Ladies and gentlemen, the next communion service at Jesus' house is just before our crossover service. So if you want to be part of it, the crossover service starts at 10, be there at 9. From 9 to 10, we're having our communion service. And so bring your faith that night. And in between now and then, you can take communion wherever you are. You can take the elements. You can take bread and whatever, grape juice, orange juice, whatever it may be. Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. Whatsoever you bring before God, 
based upon the sacrifice and victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there's nothing on the planet that is going to stop it. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's where we're going to stop tonight. We have one more Bible study this year, and we are going to give it the very best. I join my faith with each person, who everybody who has put their prayers in the chat. I pray that God grants you. Somebody's praying to pass their driving test. May God be kind to you. May you find favor and may you remember all that you need to know. But ladies and gentlemen, I also join my faith with those who need miracles where God has to intervene based upon the victory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As you go into this Christmas season, as you go into this week, and as you go into this time, ladies and gentlemen, I speak over your life. May the victory of the redemption, may the redemption that Jesus has won for you at the cross of Jesus, that he has given you access to through his blood, may it stand in good stead. And may this be the week that everything changes may god be kind to you ladies and gentlemen really wish you the very very best may god bless you we'll see you next week and next week will be our last one and so we believe to god that it will be special ladies and gentlemen god bless you have a wonderful week and i'll see you next week 